Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. You came looking for a football show to get you buzzing. Look no further, bud. You found it. The Mendy here, joined by the Power Hour movie maker himself, John Van Etten. How's it going, my friend? Always well, Davey, and yourself? It's good, man. You put on quite a show with that film. Oh, <laughs> the movie Power Hour. That's an untapped market, and we're going to make it. <laughs> we also have Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. the Chase Edmonds Truther. How's it going? Uh, just waiting, uh, counting down the weeks until Chase Edmonds is the number one RB in fantasy football, and uh, I can just brag to the world. But you don't have his jersey, so it doesn't count. I will have his jersey. Okay, fair. All right, well, I'll have to see it then. And then, of course, we also have the guy with the spiciest rankings on the internet, the Brad Stradamus himself, Brad Kilgore. What's up, man? I'm doing well. I got a question for you, boys. Um, I just got a an offer in my Dynasty League, a first-round pick, number six, for Leonard Fournette. I need some advice. Ooh. Let's just go around. Well, that, I want to answer that in a second because I want to intro in our guests for this show. He was born and raised in the Columbus, Ohio. You've seen him at Fantasy Labs, Roto World, and now Pro Football Focus. If you want to seem weak, use an umbrella. You want to win his heart, make sure to draft three down back Duke Johnson, Cordero Patterson, and you better watch your Curtis Samuel slander. He's at Ian Hartz on Twitter. We're talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Ian Hartz. How's it going, man? What an intro. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I, it's you know, it's you know, good, good company to be in with the Chase Edmonds, uh, you know, truther over here. And I, I am liking what he's doing. It's you gotta be having these uh backup three down backs. Everyone that's you know grabbed Latavius Murray over the last few months is feeling pretty good right now. But uh it's it's a wild time, you know. It's funny for months we had nothing but like, you know, player X doing good in virtual meetings or some bullshit. And now <laughs> we have, you know, actual running backs, the actual RB ones, top five picks and all that, holding out and making all of our lives more difficult. So it's gonna be back in the swing of things. Yeah, man. It's I mean, it's I feel like Especially with the COVID stuff, this is the craziest offseason we've ever seen. And just put a cherry on top of that, Brad, I want to – what you just hit on, because that's actually our first topic, going into our news and notes. The Jags – I just want to let you know, I want you to write my eulogy. You give the best <laughs> intros in the game. Oh, man, you just make me blush on the show. It should be but, added to your Twitter bio. What, <laughs> intro extraordinaire? Yeah. Absolutely. You uh, got that was- a gift, man. <laughs> David's well, going to write the intro for his own best man speech. <laughs> John, catching on. You can't say that with Amanda in the room. She's exercising on her bike. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the first news we want to touch on, Brad, you kind of alluded to it already. 
Jags cut running back Leonard Fournette. They ended their relationship with one of the highest draft picks in recent memory. And apparently it was said this was not a product of him not producing air quotes. And you can't use the argument that this helped their cap situation because it's going to be six million in dead money. The timing's a little curious as well, being two weeks for the season. Ian, my man, what do you make of all this drama? I mean, it's something that beat writers were talking about throughout August. I mean, it's why, you know, I was hardly the only fantasy person out there to be like, don't draft Leonard Fournette in the top three rounds. There's just so much risk. And look, no NFL team tanked. It's like it's too violent of a sport to like not put in your 100%. The players don't tank. But the executives in the Jacksonville Jaguars organization are clearly tanking at this point. I mean, you, I think it was Field Yates or someone put out the tweet that was like, you know, the five just all pros they had when they made that AFC championship run on defense. And they're literally all gone now. I mean, it's they, they won't. Miles Jack is the only guy they've given, you know, a big contract to. Let's hope his, you know, his knees age well because that's like the one guy they've had that seemingly has the long term problems and they, they decided to keep him. So it's just a mess there, man. I hope Gardner Minshew can just make them like entertainingly bad, like be a 2019 version of the Dolphins. But <laughs> if that happens, like they're probably not going to get Trevor Lawrence, which seems to be who they're after in the first place. So I think in fantasy, like everyone jumping on Raquel Armstead or Davina Zigbo, like the, all the same issues that applied to Fournette, you know, not having the target share with that being Chris Thompson and just being on a bad team and new offense, like those all still apply to his backups as well. So other than Minshew and DJ Chark, I want nothing to do with the Jaguars as a whole. Do any of you guys feel any differently or you guys echo the same sentence Ian saying? I'm not high on any Jaguars, but Brad, I would I would take that trade. Who knows where he's gonna go? He could go nowhere. Yeah, I was it's tough for me because you know he could go to a place like Tampa Bay or um maybe even the Saints if Alvin Kamara keeps holding out. But um, the way I look at it from his perspective is like, you know, this is a dream scenario. He just filed a grievance for his guaranteed money this year. So he might get that and wherever he signs and he's going to go to a better team because Jacksonville is going to be horrible. As Ian said, they're, they're tanking. At least the executives are trying to tank. Um, you you can never, like, like Ian said, you can never really expect the team to be horrible. Um, we thought Miami was going to go winless last year and they're just fighting hard it's a violent sport and you can't really you can't really uh uh expect any team to go winless but jacksonville looks pretty bad and um i think leonard Fournette is, is pretty lucky to to get out of there and probably go to a better situation david are you going to talk about the other reads. player next because i have an umbrella for how just the jags management did you say that on purpose because he ends on the show what did you say umbrella because he hates umbrellas? Oh, I didn't even mean it. It's just grouping. You hate umbrellas. Watch it, Watch it man. Yeah, they're stupid. You're going to use a perfectly good <laughs> hand to stop a little you, water from getting on you? What do you hate thing? the song Umbrella by Rihanna? I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Since so then half the time, like you bring this umbrella around, it doesn't rain because the weathermen are usually wrong. And then you're just carrying this thing. Or, okay, let's say it does rain. Best case, this thing keeps the water off you. Usually you get wet anyway, which makes you even more mad. And if you didn't have the umbrella in the first place, then you got a soaking wet umbrella to put. Like, where do you put that when you go somewhere? Okay, well, what about in this scenario? You go to a job interview, you're leaving your house in a suit and it starts down. Yeah, there's and, always one. Yep. There's always one. You take your L that one day of the year and 364 <laughs> days is fine. 
Now you're looking soggy. You wish you had an umbrella. <laughs> One day a year, that's going to happen. The rest of the time, you're fine. The peace of and mind it's going to be the most important day. Is it's amazing. Be the most important day. You, you don't need to bring your umbrella around. They just have them for free, you know, out front of the coffee shop. Just in the little... <laughs> See, I can see what Ian's saying because I feel like I'd look like a puss if I just walked around holding that with like just wherever I was going. So you look like I, I would try to gentleman. save it for the. <laughs> Brad's offended. It's all right. It's, it's a take that's not for everyone. It's okay. I, I like it. the hot takes around here. He does. Brad is Mr. Hot Take over there. Uh, let's move to another bit of news, though. Yannick Ngakwe is finally free. Talking about another jag, former Jag. Ngakwe was acquired by the Vikings early Sunday morning in exchange for a 2021 second-round pick and a conditional 2022 fifth that could turn into a third if Ngakwe goes into the Pro Bowl and the Vikings win the Super Bowl. Ngakwe has been a beast so far in his career, having accumulated 37.5 sacks, 14 forced fumbles, and two INTs in four seasons. Brad, what do you make of this move for the Vikings' defense, and was this enough of a haul for a player of his caliber? So I hate the move for the Vikings. I think you make a move like this when you're like a player away. Um, you see what the Bears did with Khalil Mack. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Football is such a team sport that one player is not going to change the game. I think if, you know, the Chiefs made this kind of move like they did last year with, uh, you know, getting Honey Badger. Um, if you're if you're like a play away, like you need a, a single impact player to change, change your whole outlook on the season, then it makes sense. But they just gave up a second and third round pick to probably, I don't know what, make the playoffs. Like they're, it's, I don't see it moving the needle for the Vikings. So you're not hopeful for their chances at all? No, no. Not not for a Super Bowl. Hopefully no Vikings fans are listening right now. Eric, hop in. You all agree? Right, so, so we all know that the Jags management is tanking. And they got rid of Jalen Ramsey last year. It's been known that Yannick Ngakwe isn't happy, dating back to, since last year. It's been known that they weren't going to pick up Fournette's fifth-year option and that they were shopping him last year at the deadline. Why did they wait this long? Why did they wait two weeks before the season started? They lost all leverage. They were talking about getting a first-round pick plus for Ngakwe. Now you played the waiting game. You lost any leverage you had because people know that these teams don't want to be there, that the Jags are intentionally tanking. They're going to get any value you can. It's the same thing the Skins did with, or the Washington football team did with Trent Williams. I just think it's bad management. I think when they got rid of Jalen Ramsey and they got two first, that signaled that they were tearing everything down. They could have gotten much better value than they did for these, for at least Ngakwe, and could have got something for Fournette if they shopped him before the draft. Ian, is there anything you want to add to it? I see what Brad's saying. I don't think the Vikings are going to like win the Super Bowl this year necessarily even be like a top four team, but like they're still in contention mode. They're hardly in rebuilding mode. And I think the move that caused this to happen was Everson Griffin signing with the Cowboys. I mean, throughout the offseason, a lot of the Vikings uh, beat writers seem to think that they would eventually reach a deal with Griffin, even though he was hanging out there. And when they lost him, I mean, that, that was big because as awesome as Daniil Hunter is, I mean, Griffin's been a real solid presence on the other side as well. And you look at this defense and they lost, you know, uh, Rhodes, Waynes, and Alexander. And none of these guys were even very good last year. Like their cornerback group was 
bad. And, you know, they got the safeties to kind of mask it a little bit. But I just think of the situation where, you know, losing all their corners, losing their defensive end, they had to do something to kind of inject some talent back in this defense. I mean, Mike Zimmer said it the best where he's like, you know, I've never coached a bad defense. Don't plan on it happening this year. And that's great. But, you know, I, I think the, uh, you know, Jims and Joes are going to beat the X's nose more times than not. So it was good for them to at least get some more talent in there. Did they overpay for it? Maybe. But, you know, hey, Yannick's a great player. And, you know, we can't have – can never have too many great players on a team. So I'm okay with it overall. It sounds like when you say something like that, I'm just picturing, like, Mike Zimmer just, like, being, like, whipping it out and being like, yo, yo none of you got one as big as mine when you talk about his defenses kind of thing. <laughs> He's a baller, man. Remember when that dude was rocking the uh, sunglasses because he had like the eye surgery? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot. He is a baller. You know, Landon Johnson used to do that, David. The Uh, NFC North isn't a runaway division either. Yeah, it's not. Um, We're actually going to stay actually in the NFC North, see how I can connect these together here. John, I'm going to start with you for this question. Bears coach Matt Nagy won't announce his starter at quarterback before week one. This is actually pretty juicy because. Is this a tactic to help confuse the Lions in helping them prep for them? Or does he really have no idea who he's starting? I, I think he has an idea, but I, I think this means it's probably Foles. Because if it's Mitch Trubisky, who's been your starter for, you know, however many years, then you just say that he's going to start. You, you don't cloud his judgment and ruin his confidence. This I think this means he's leaning towards Nick Foles. Mm. Does anybody think differently on that? Uh, no. no, I think it's Foles. Actually, I'll yeah, say, uh, I'm going to go Trubisky. I said it on a previous pod. I think it's Trubisky. Oh, controversy. <laughs> love it. Love it. Stick into your I'll guns, say, uh, man. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Vegas, Vegas thinks it's going to be Foles as well. They have uh, Foles at plus 1,400 for comeback player of the year, which is right under A.J. Green. And Trubisky's not even on the list. <laughs> oh, Got to go with Vegas on that one, then. But sticking with the Bears, running back David Montgomery had an ugly-looking spill in practice, hurting his groin. He's expected to miss two to four weeks. Eric, is this affecting where you're drafting Montgomery, or are you possibly raising Tariq Cohen in your rankings, or or is Cordero Patterson going to be a thing? Yeah, I'm definitely fading David Montgomery. I know he had about a fifth-round ADP. Um, I think you want to get out, especially in this crazy COVID year, you want to try to get wins early in case somebody, a star on your team gets it. And, um, you know, you can't have them. Hopefully you have expanded rosters. In PPR, I'd upgrade Tariq Cohen a little bit. And I'd take a late round flower in Cordero Patterson. I mean, somebody's got to touch the ball. Someone who I know is looking at Cordero Patterson. My man below me, Ian. Go ahead, man. Give us your Cordero Patterson speech. So you can actually take almost – four full yards, so 3.9 yards off of Cordero's career yards per carry, and he would still be more efficient than David Montgomery. I mean, he's the <laughs> NFL's all-time leader in yards per carry, and he's done it on 103 rushes. Put the ball in the guy's hands. Just because he doesn't look like a little scat back or some fat, like, early down grinder, he got typecast into a wide receiver role. And, I mean, the only team to ever give him over 60 touches in the regular season won the Super Bowl. Because guess what? The greatest kick returner of all time is good with the ball in his hands, and more teams should be giving this dude a shit ton of touches. Now, I don't think the Bears are going to do that. Maybe he flirts with double-digit touches per game because Montgomery's, you know, obviously looking like he's going to miss some time. They haven't really – I was kept waiting for them to sign – 
Devontae Freeman or maybe trade for Royce Freeman or do something. But it seems like at this point, you know, it's, it might be the CP show a little bit. So they got Tariq Cohen out there too, which honestly, like, I'm not even blaming him necessarily, but like he was so bad last year as a rusher and receiver, like historically bad as a receiver. Dude's averaging like four something yards uh, per target. We'll see. Take a late round flyer on CP. Why not? I uh, I agree with Ian, and I think uh, you should give the guy as many touches as possible. They should just put him at quarterback and just <laughs> let him run the show. Let him be a little Lamar Jackson. I uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm joking, of course. I think the guy's really talented. He's obviously a great kick returner, and if you put him in space, he can make a lot of people miss. Um, I don't really buy the efficiency numbers because it's such a small sample size, but um. I don't know. I, I think he's the kind of guy that if you give him a, if you give him some touches, you know, wide receiver screens, run some slants, he can really, he can really do some things for you. And I, I, I agree that he should be getting more touches, but I, I just don't love him at running back. He can't be worse at receiver or at running back than he was at receiver. So I'm, I'm all for it. Especially, I mean, it's a small sample size, but they don't have anybody else back there. They didn't bring anybody in. The they didn't want any Freeman. We've seen Tom the Montgomery. Packers do that with Ty Montgomery. Move him from receiver to running back, and he had some efficiency. So, can that dude change his fucking number already? That's my single biggest (laughs) gripe with any number in the league. This dude's gone from team to team. He's still wearing 88. He hasn't played wide receiver in like a half decade at this point. This dude's still rocking 88. The biggest tragedy. Biggest tragedy about the Des Bryant Saints injury is that it would have blocked Montgomery from wearing 88. Now that he's on the Saints, so it's just another reason to be mad, man. I hate it. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the thing. He needs to change his number, and then he's going to explode. That's the one thing he hasn't done. Catch on. I'm, I will not Ian, be a fan until he does. This guy Ian hates numbers. He hates umbrellas. Come on, what do you like? Give me some positivity. <laughs> that's a good point. Good point. I'll be more uh, optimistic about numbers and umbrellas, perhaps. <laughs> Let's move to our last bit of news here. Chargers safety Derwin James out for the year, needing meniscus surgery. Being We're actually being robbed of seeing his talent now for two straight seasons, which is pretty sad. And Alvin Kamara has been absent at camp with no reason given. Some have chalked it up to injury. I think it has something to do with a little bit of pen and paper. Alvin Kamara is making 2.1 mil this year on his rookie deal. It's 19th at the position. John, are you worried about Kamara showing up for the start of the season? I mean, he's missed a few days, so there's got to be a little bit of worry, especially if you're the Saints or you have him in fantasy. I mean, we've seen a few running backs hold out, and even when they come back, they're not really, you know, up to uh, up to scruff right away. So it'd certainly be worrying, even if he comes back for the first game, if he misses, you know, extended practice time. Brad, do you have anything on that front? Do you think Kamara is going to hold out or not show up, or do you think it's just all for nothing and he's going to be there? I hope he holds out, um, I, especially in a season like this where, you know, if COVID doesn't get you, the NFL is going to get you. Like, it's, I'm always for guys getting as much money as they possibly can, and I hope he does that. Um, on the downside, I don't think that he actually, I don't know, in a, in a world where running backs just aren't getting paid anymore, unless you're, you know, a Christian McCaffrey or a Zeke or a Saquon Barkley. I don't know that if the Saints won't give him the money that he wants, he'll go get it anywhere else. Um, So I don't know if this is the kind of game of chicken he wants to play, but I hope he gets as much money as he possibly can. Ian, what do you think? 
of course, always want these guys to get paid. I mean, the only reason why people don't pay RB is because this. That, why does the NFL have a salary cap? That's the question. Because if they didn't have a salary cap, they could you know, let these running backs really make what they make relative to the other running backs. The problem is you can obviously find cheaper running backs to give you solid production much easier than at like any other position. I mean, look at, you know, the minimum paid like defensive ends and quarterbacks compared to minimum paid running backs. Obviously, there's more talented running backs on the planet. I thought Kamara would be maybe not the entire McCaffrey exception because he doesn't get quite as many touches. But, I mean, he is a guy that is so effective as a receiver that you would think that he could, you know, get a better, better running back contract than someone like, you know, Derrick Henry or a more one-dimensional back. We'll see. Yeah. The Saints are apparently asking for at least a first-round pick in these quote-unquote trade talks. It kind of seems like smoke. I would expect him to be there by week one, but you know it's not good. It's not good to be hearing this. And if you're uh, you know out there in fantasy drafts, I would say uh, you know go ahead and take the more sure thing guys like Claude Ebersolaire, Joe Mixon right now because they're all set up really well. And while Kamara is too, like. We don't want to. We don't want this thing to escalate. It looks like it. So uh, I hope everyone's been drafting Latavius Murray as it is, because you know you put. <laughs> I think Kamara back there is obviously going to do his. He's special. I mean, I'm not saying he's not, but you can put any running back in that Saints offense, and they're going to produce. And we saw that from Latavius last year already. Don't want to turn it into a running back show, but a little, a little ironic that you said Clyde is a <laughs> more of a sure thing, hasn't played a game, and Joe Mixon is more of a sure thing, who had an atrocious beginning to last season. <laughs> I'm out there. Um, Eric, I don't know if there's anything you want to add. The one thing I will say is interesting because Kamara is, I think, 81 catches three straight seasons or something like that. So he's catching the ball at a crazy clip. If you're going to pay McCaffrey, I don't know why you can't pay Kamara because he's shown that he's that dual player. He's not just a running back. He's a receiver. So that's a little curious to me. Eric, I don't know if there's anything you want to add. So just one last thing. I think Alvin Kamara is a really smart guy, and I think was plan- this was planned out. He's tweeted a, a little while back, like, sorry in advance. So I think these contract negotiations were going on. I think this is Drew Brees' last year. They're in an all-in window. Kamara gives them the best chance to win. Him holding out closer to the season puts more urgency on the Saints if they want to try to get a deal done, and especially when they're playing Tampa Bay week one in a potential shootout. You're going to need Kamara to put up as many points possible. So I think he strategically thought this out on his end. And also with the new CBA, like I know a bunch of people were saying, oh, we won't have the holdouts with it. I guess the CBA was like they, they could mess up their money if they didn't report to training camp. So that's why we saw all these guys, you know, with the contract issues still report to training camp. But there's nothing in there about holding out when the regular season. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why they're not. Good point. Hard. Exactly. Melvin Ingram did the same thing and got paid with the charges. So. Hopefully, they, I, but that's the thing. Like to your point, like it's just the Saints have had all this success with the Kamara. They know what he can do, and if they're not paying him because they had success last year with other running backs, like I just, it's hard for me to believe that they can get a first round pick for him when Fournette has no trade value apparently, and he had you know seventy six catches last year and eighteen hundred yards from scrimmage. So I, I I don't know. I just. I worry that this isn't the game you want to play. Yeah, good points from everyone. I do want to move on, though, and I just want to know, do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball show you can check out, also available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about being the cat's meow and leave us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Trip Play Fantasy. 
Eric and Brad run our social media and use it to provide daily questions, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Remember when you lay out your clothes the night before the first day of school and the excitement you'd have going to sleep? That's the feeling you'll get when you listen to the podcast. I just want you to visualize that. That's that's the feeling we give you. So I want you to tell a friend. And then once you tell a friend, make sure you keep listening because we want to keep you entertained. But it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. Draft strategies. All right. So everybody talks about this, but they're not talking about it right. And we want to help you dominate your league. It takes some luck, of course, but if you're lucky enough, you're going to also have to use the strategy here. So we're going to give you five and a half strategies that you use when drafting the season to really help uh, blow your league out of the water. And I know we're going to kind of be those uh, those basic kind of white girls, you know, like I'm thinking like pumpkin spice lattes, Ugg boots, yoga pants, because, again, Draft strategy is what every podcast talks about. So we got to add a unique little spin on it, make it fun for y'all. So let's start with the first one. And the first one that's talked about to death, take running backs early and wait on wide receivers. Ian, I want to get your thoughts on this. Is this something you feel very strongly about, or do you feel that there's kind of ways you can vary this approach? I think it comes down to how many of the top 14 to 15 running backs you can get. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to like reach on, you know, Melvin Gordon or David Johnson, just cause I've told myself I'm going to draft, you know, three running backs in the top three rounds. Like I'm, I'm almost always taking a running back in round one. And, you know, I mean, again, you look at these guys, McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, Clyde, Dalvin, Drake, Henry, Chubb, Mixon, Eckler, Sanders, Jacobs, Jones, Connor, like all those guys, you know, okay, maybe, we got some holdout shit coming, but if they're on the field, you know, if they have, you know, same injury risk as everyone else, those are going to be the studs. So I think you get one, maybe two of those guys, three, we're really talking good. But other than that, that's what I'm getting the high end wide receivers because you can get those running backs in the top two rounds and it's pretty competitive and those are top guys, but you see it in round three, four and five when guys, you know, are reaching on your Todd Gurley's and Le'Veon Bells of the world. And you got Adam Thielen and Allen Robinson, like top 10 legit wide receivers still on the board. So I just think right now the way the drafts are falling. Yeah. You got running back and in those, uh, you know, first, maybe second, maybe third rounds, and then uh, start getting your ball or wide receivers. But you don't have to go too crazy and go, you know, three or four RBs to start no matter what. Was that all off the top of your head when you listed the running backs? No, I got my ranks up in front of me. Oh, I was going to say, that's, that was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, hop in. Yeah, I think especially with this year, um, you need to get a running back in the first two rounds. Like if Michael Thomas slips and you can get him – at the tail end of the first round, that's really good value, especially in a PPR. Like, you shouldn't let him slip too far because at the end of the day, you're going to need at least two running backs, two wide receivers. But after those first couple rounds, it's more of like situational, you know, Le'Veon Bells and Todd Gurley's and David Johnson's. All of these, they could be good, but they're older name running backs, but they could also be bad. So I think you're going to need to get at least um, one in the first couple rounds in a PPR. I think you can be a little more patient for your RB2 because you could get a James White. I know we pooped on Tariq Cohen, but he'll catch nine balls for 19 yards, and that'll get you double-digit points. Oh, that's so juicy. I love that stat. Go ahead. Nine nine Um, catches for 19 yards. (laughs) I think the only thing risky about going heavy running back early is that they tend to get hurt more because they're getting more touches and they're they're, uh, running into contact more often, so – 
that's kind of the catch 22 of that position. John, do you feel this way as well? Uh, well, on paper, I felt like uh, I was like, oh, definitely got to go running backs first two rounds because they're so light. There's a lot of timeshares at the end. But then I, I just looked at the draft I did this weekend and I waited, you know, till the fifth to get, you know, the second running back. So I think once it comes into practice and you see, you know, DJ Moore, Lamar Jackson sitting there, you know, in those middle few rounds and you want to make sure you get them because they're top top of their position, it kind of changes the equation a little bit. Brad, I'm assuming you feel somewhat similar as well. No, actually. Um, oh, go ahead. Love it. Yeah, 100% of the time, I don't care where I am in the draft order. For the first three rounds, I'm taking a running back. Um, if I have to reach for a guy, I'll reach for him. If, you know, other people are taking top flight receivers, even better. I can get a, a, a better running back in, you know, the third round. But 100% of the time, I'm taking three running backs because, you know, standard leagues, you're going to have two running backs. And I'd love to know that I'm going to get, a, you know, 10 to 15 points conservatively every week from both of my running back slots. And if I can plug a running back in the flex where, you know, I can also get a 10 to 15 point, that's great because you can't count on that kind of production from a wide receiver because running backs are usually guaranteed, starting running backs are usually guaranteed to get, you know, 10 to 20 touches a game and maybe some goal line carries. Um, I prefer to have the lower variance that the running backs give. So I'm always going to take the running backs when I when I uh, have my first three rounds. He actually put this into practice. We had a draft last weekend. He had the first pick. He took Christian McCaffrey and then took Chris Carson and James Conner with the back-to-back at the top. So it's an interesting strike. And then you ended up with Biggs and Keenan Allen, I believe, as your, stu- your two receivers, correct? That's right. Well, I actually, I, everybody thinks it's a hot take, but I had them really highly in my wide receiver rankings as well. So... To me, it was like an incredible draft. You had him as four and five in your receiver rankings. I remember that. That's yeah, right. Even if you don't know, Brad is, has the hottest take rankings out there. He's got, on an you island. You got stands on, guys. Or I was no, going to say, um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying, you know, I like, you got to take stands on your dudes and uh, go after. I don't have anyone that. That wild. That's kind of the annoying thing about rankings, though. Uh, someone was bringing this up uh, the other week where, you know, uh, we, we're kind of set in stone with doing the rankings, like just based on the season long projection. It's not, it's not always about that, really. I mean, you don't really, I mean, like last year, Le'Veon Bell finished as, you know, a top 25 or 26 RB, but he didn't give you like any RB1 or even like really RB2 weeks a lot of the time. So you do want to, sure. you know, find those guys that you think are going to you know, be the best whenever they're out there on the field. So I don't think there's a perfect, I won't pretend to have the perfect uh, formula yet, but more and more like when I go through drafts, I definitely think, uh, you know, after the first couple rounds, particularly, don't be afraid to, you know, take risks on ADP because I think the ADP again is based more on those season long ones. And, you know, you can definitely chase upside more if you uh, stray from that after the first couple rounds well said guys let's move to our next topic here and we're talking about one of the other things that's been floated around in fantasy circles waiting on your quarterback and your tight ends it's seen as incredibly deep for those two positions this year so if you don't get the top two or three you should just wait i'm interested to see if you guys like to wait on those positions if you guys are actively trying to draft a travis kelsey if you're trying to draft a patrick mahomes or lamar jackson are you on the camp of i'm not going for those guys I might try to get mid-tier. I might wait and try to grab a, a Stafford or a Ben Roethlisberger. So, Brad, I know I, I know how you feel about this question, so why don't you tell us how you're feeling? 
Yeah, so I mean, after I go get the the three running backs, um, it's I, I kind of keep the same mentality. It's kind of always about scarcity value for me, and in my eyes, there's more scarcity value in tight end than there is in in quarterback. Um, obviously, quarterbacks really top heavy. You know, you go get Lamar and Pat Mahomes, and you know some Kyler and or some Dak. You know, whoever you think's going to throw for five thousand yards. But uh, at tight end, there's probably you know five guys that you feel comfortable starting every week so um yeah I, I if it's there i'll go get it if it's not there i'll you know i'll go get the best player available john what about yourself i actually like reaching on getting the best tight ends because there's nothing more stressful than trying to figure out which of your crappy tight ends to play based on a defense and it saps all the fun out of it. And then you pick the wrong one and Jack Doyle will go and score a touchdown, even though he only had 20 yards the previous week. So I think just for your own sanity, being able to pick a tight end <laughs> early is very helpful. <laughs> I like that. Ian, what about you? Johnny has some pent up anger. He had to get out there. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the usual strategy. A tight end, you know, Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews. I think if you can't get those guys, you just wait, wait, wait. Because, I mean, you're still going to, you know, get some studs towards the end. I mean, what's really the difference between – I mean, I would rather have, you know, like a Chris Herndon, Jonu Smith combo at the end of my draft versus, you Ooh. know, using a, using a pick before round 10 on someone like, you know, Tyler Higby or Hunter Henry, who are great players. I think they're all great players, but there's just questions for all of them after these top three. Again, like there's – uh, like, like we were saying, there's three or five, I think, like weekly, you know, I'd, I'd include Ertz and Ingram when he's uh, healthy, including those big three. Those are the guys that you always feel comfortable with, and you can just talk yourself in or out of the rest of them. As a kind Jar- of what about Jarwin? No Jarwin? Oh, yeah, I Jarwin. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> the point is, like, take two or three darts at the end of your draft when there's no running backs or wide receivers you want anyway and use those earlier mid-round picks on, you know, actual studs that are going to get the ball a lot and you don't have to guess as much. So uh, quarterback, yeah, I'm probably waiting more, and I'm down to, you know, go get my guy like Cam Newton or even uh, Joey Burrow towards the end of, uh, you know, of, of one QB leagues. If it is two QB or uh, super flex leagues, I do think you should try to get one of the kind of top eight guys at some point because it, it's just rough when you're uh, playing from behind with two. If you're going zero QB on a two QB league, it gets really tough. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can always get Gardner Minshew at the end too for that rushing floor. Uh, Teddy two gloves maybe, and we'll see, uh, you know, how, how he does. Carolina just has no continuity. So, yeah, I'd say uh, in general, wait, two QB leagues or tight end premium, maybe need to change things up. But there's enough upside of both positions that you can just take some dart throws later. Eric, you're the king of waiting to draft to the like last round to take your tight end. So how do you feel about tight ends and quarterbacks? Yeah, so for quarterbacks, I would only take Lamar Jackson and Mahomes if they fell in the third. Um, and then I, the other ones I'm big on, Kyler, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, would be fifth, sixth round. Other than that, I think you can wait. Jameis Winston was QB5 last year and was one of the last QBs drafted. Daniel Jones had four top five QB finish weeks. I think there's value you can get in, in the later rounds and someone like Lamar Jackson last year. Um, and then for tight ends, you know, if you're not going to get the Kelsey's or the Kittles or the Urch or the Andrews, I would wait. A few years ago, I waited until the last two rounds, took Ebron and Kittle, and they finished as the number two and three tight end. Tyler Higby last year, number one tight end for the latter part of the season. Austin Hooper came out of nowhere. It's kind of a situational play. I think Mike Kosicki's good value this year. I think 
for if you're not going to get the top tier, a touchdown can salvage your day. And you're going to see kind of like where these tight ends rank in the pecking order of, of passing on their team. They could get a large target share and they're not going to be a glorious name, but you know, for the Dolphins, for Gesicki last year, they were playing from behind a lot and they just needed to throw the ball. Besides Devontae Parker, he was the number two target. So I think there's always going to be situations like that. And um, if you don't get the early ones, don't target a middle tier one and just wait at the end. Good points from everyone. Let's move to our next topic here. And this one is, we're getting a little bit now from the basic questions to a little bit more uh, individualized here. Do you feel that you like to build your starting lineup first, or do you like to build a bench before you finish building your starting lineup? I know this is kind of different strokes for different folks. What do you think, John? I, I like to see that that whole roster built because, like I said, you can work yourself to death trying to figure out you know mediocre players to try and plug in week in and week out, or you can make sure you get your studs, you get your positions filled, and then you can throw darts at people later like some everybody else is going to want to. But at least you know you have your base and you have your floor set for uh, week-to-week games. John likes a nice, strong base. I like it. Eric, what about yourself? So I fill out the starters first, and my philosophy is fantasy football in a standard league is 9v9. If you have a better kicker, if you have the Justin Tuckers and uh, Will Lutzes and Harrison Butkers, if you have a top defense, the Steelers, the Bills, 49ers, you're probably going to win those two matchups each week. And so that puts more emphasis on their running backs to outscore your running backs, wide receivers to outscore your wide receivers. And I think a lot of people that fill out their bench first, it's convenient during bye weeks, but then you're also going to have a more difficult time of if those players go off, oh, am I going to start them over my early round picks who, you know, I, I spend an early pick on. Um, so for me, I personally do starters. I'm one of the first ones to take a kicker and a defense and redraft, and it's it served me well. I, I, I love, love this man. question. I can see Ian's ready just to, to jump right in. Go man. ahead. Let's do it. Let's debate it. What are we taking kickers and defenses at all unless we're forced to? There's the easy – like you can just look at the Vegas lines in any given week and just pick a perfectly viable kicker defense off the scrap heap. I mean, just, you know, okay, maybe tight end a little bit. Think about another position where there's just consistently top 15 or 16 options available like in the waiver wire every single week. That's what defensive kicker is. We can barely predict it as it is. Like I, I couldn't even tell you. Like I think, Eric, you might just name more kickers than I know in the league because I care that little about the <laughs> position. I mean, you know, just find out who the starter is and go from there and just pick the good one. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying, but, like, it doesn't even work like that because kicker scoring is so fucked up. Like, you're getting, you know, so many extra points from, like, 50-plus yard field goals. I mean, like, the Jets kicker one week could outscore the Saints kicker because the Saints kicker is, you know, kicking extra points and the Jets can't get in the end zone. So I won't pretend to know like the, anything about kickers. That's why I ignore them until I, you know, just have to pick one. So I don't know, man. I think you invest resources towards things you know about. Those are running backs, wide receivers early. We're, I mean, we're talking about waiting on QBs and tight ends. You wait on them. You get a ton, you get four and five running backs and wide receivers, and you pick these positions later because you can still get top 15, 20 players at the position. All right? There's tons of running backs, tons of wide receivers on the field. No. We have multiple slots for them. We want depth there, guys. Do right, not well, take a kicker and defense wrong. early. All Come right, well, on. so here's no, my no, rebuttal. No, 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 no. Oh, go ahead, let That's... Brad hop in. Okay. I couldn't agree more with Eric. Um, I'm, I'm reaching for a kicker. It's all about scarcity value. The delta between the top two kickers 
and the rest of like three for 15 is so large. I, like, all right, Harrison Butker can go get you 17 in a week. That's going to win you a whole week. Where are you going, Brad? Dave, Dave, what, when did I take Harrison Butker in our draft? Oh, you took him early. I, I round nine, was like, early. Yeah. Was that Eric? I, 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 like round nine, maybe? Yeah, I think I took him around there. If he's going to get me 17 in a week, which I think he did – Pretty regularly, not maybe not seventeen, but pretty close to. I don't have the numbers in front of me. That's those are running back numbers. Like that's absurd. If I can go get that guy, I'm gonna go get that guy. Versus if I have to stream a guy that might give me six or eight or nine. So what I like to do is fill out all my running backs. I fill out all my wide receivers. I'll leave the QB if I didn't get my guy, and I'll leave a defense. But I'm gonna go get that kicker if it's a top two guy. If it's Harrison Bucker or Justin Tucker, I'm keeping him. Well, and, and so that's my thing is Justin Tucker is the most accurate kicker in NFL history. If he gets the opportunities and the Ravens are a good scoring offense, chances are he's going to convert his kicks. Same with the Saints and Chiefs. You're going to go with the team that's going to get you more scoring opportunities. The Jets, I get what you're saying. They could be in the 30, 40-yard field goal, and that's more opportunity. But if the other team's scoring touchdowns at a certain point, they're going to stop kicking field goals and then need touchdowns to catch up and maybe even two-point conversions. So, I mean – I, I'm looking this up. I think Harrison Butker had double-digit games every week last year, but one. I want to see if that's true or not. Ian, Ian, Harrison Butker. I'll take all my kicker advice from Eric. <laughs> Harrison Butker had a 166-point year last year. That's a top 25. That's a top We're 25 finish for a running back. Would you not draft your top 25 running back in the eighth round? That's absurd. First Go of get all, him if he's there. Dude, I have kickers in like one or two of my leagues. Like, I think normal people don't even have kickers in your leagues anymore because we've all <laughs> seen the light. <laughs> then we got Eric and Eric and B-Rad preaching to take a kicker in round I, eight. I see it, though. If you can get a kicker, it'll get you more than your, you know, backup wide receiver, Sterling Shepard, exactly. if you even play him in a week. I mean – this is uh, get, Ian's never going to come back now. You guys scared him away. If I can get Justin Tucker or Harrison Bucker, those are the only two. Those are the only two kickers I'll go and get. I'll stream the rest of them. But if I can I go like get Alan those Iverson two, I'm going right to get them. But with kickers instead of practice, like this is fucking <laughs> absurd. This is this is good that we all don't want to agree on anything on everything. That's why these ones are spicy. These last few. It's a very personal preference. Thinking of, let's go to the next one. On a 1 to 10 scale, how important is it to pay attention to ADP when drafting with experienced players? I think we know the beginning players most likely will just stick to how the rankings are on whatever site you're using. But if you play with guys that know what they're doing, they're going to go and get their guys if they're not right at the top of the screen. So, Ian, I'll start with you. Do you pay attention to ADP or are you kind of more like, look, I have guys ranked where I want them and I'm going to get them even if they're 20 spots down or whatever? I'm just still getting over this kicker thing, man. Good God. All right. All right. He doesn't All like right. kickers holding umbrellas with numbers on it. With number hater, man. You need, you need some okay. light in your life. Okay, okay. I think with uh, ADP, it's more – you should stick to – you should pay attention to ADP more in the first three, four, five rounds because I think those are the sharpest guys. I mean, those are, you know, the RB1s, wide receiver ones that everyone's been grinding – by this point, I mean, September 1st, like there's been enough drafts that the ADP has kind of come around. There's like, there's less values at the top. Once you get on, that's where I think you can stand out a little bit more. And that's where, you know, kind of 
like I, I've learned over the years a little bit more like don't like, you know, you have that person that you don't want to really pick, but they fall down. You look at the ADP and you got like a 10 spot difference. You end up putting them on the team. And you're not happy with it. And I think, you know, that type of quote unquote value isn't even really kind of the value you're looking for. Like, don't be afraid to take, uh, you know, your Will Fuller's and the higher upside guys that, you know, you're taking a stand on, whoever it might be. You know, if you're one of Brad's top 10 wide receivers that, you know, has a ADP in the 30s or something, go reach on that guy. <laughs> like, do it. If you're confident that he's going to, you know, boom for you, go ahead. And, you know, I, I, I would just say, like, when you're looking at these guys, just uh, assess their overall place, like, in the offense, not just at their position. Because, you know, we see situations like the Houston wide receivers and even the Giants wide receivers were like all those guys are being priced as wide receiver threes wide receiver fours and if things go right I mean they'll you know really be booming up there wide receiver one so you know guys like that maybe over the uh you know super crowded offense uh CD Lamb someone I don't want to hate on CD because he's cheap enough as it is but yeah so really shoot for the upside in the later rounds don't get too crazy in the beginning well Brad you were smiling go ahead uh yeah, Will Fuller underscored Harrison Bucker and Justin Tucker last year. I'll just put that out there. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, after I get my first three running backs, um, on a scale of one to ten, I, I put, like, zero on the amount I care about ADP. Like, I, I just – you have rankings going in with the guys who you like and why, and if it's not, like, you know, if it's actually based on stats or – um, based on, you know, the roster moves the team's made and you feel confident about it, just go get your guys. I, I don't really care about ADP unless, you know, I'm playing chicken with somebody and I'm I'm worried about, you know, not reaching. That's the only time I'd care about ADP. But for the most part, I think you should just go get your guy if he's there. Brad, it's, it's, it, I like what you said there. And Ian, you said the same thing. It's like we had our draft this past Sunday and Brad, I knew you were going to take Kyler Murray at the 5-6 turn. and. Yeah. I, I was like, look, I was like, I want Kyler Murray. And I was like, if I don't take him in the fourth round, he's not going to be there when it comes back to me. And so I was like, I got to go get him now. And that's me. I mean, his ADP was, I don't even know how much farther down it was, but that's the, that's the example. If you really believe in somebody, you got to go get them. Even if they're 20 have, spots uh, down. I have Kyler as my QB one in. I, I mean, he's my QB four. So yeah. You, you, yeah. No. You, you should have Kyler in a bunch of your leagues, and he's probably going to ball out. So there you go. Yeah. We'll Eric, what about you? What beer, what beer is that, Ian? What you got? A little Ho Garden? Who Garden? See, man, these craft beers, I've never heard of half of them. This isn't too gotta... crazy. You get them in those, like, Stella. It's like a Stella. You get them in a Stella oh, okay. pack. You can't go wrong with Stella Artos? I got a, I got softball games tonight, so I got I to gotta, I gotta start getting loose. Hey, can't That's be softball. I like it. <laughs> Eric, what about, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with them, and I didn't want to agree with Ian, but he made good points. Um, <laughs> but I think ADP is just used as a barometer of how others draft. I think at the, at the beginning, you're going to kind of see how players are actually being drafted as opposed to, like, where where people want to rank them. Um, but I, I think it's just – it's more important to gauge your draft. Like you said, if you know how others think and their tendencies, like you used with the Kyler Murray example – I mean, when you go through ADPs, you'll see like big names like Tom Brady's and Drew Brees have higher draft positions, 40 spots higher than they're actually ranked because they're more popular names. And they're probably better real life quarterbacks, at least Brady, than fantasy wise. So I'd say about a five. I think it's it's kind of a helpful tool to see where the range of others are going. But if you know the people you're drafting with, 
and and how they draft and who they like. I think that that overtakes it. And John, anything you want to add for this? I think you have to pay attention to it just for the psychological aspect of if you're trying to wait for somebody. Uh, then you, if you're going to want to wait a round or two, then you have to really take a look at that because psychologically people are still going to place a higher value on people they see at the top of their board, even if they don't mean to. All right, let's move to our last one then. And the last question I have for you guys, do you draft mostly for upside or for floor? Do you like to play it safe or do you like to take risks and be a daredevil? And I do not want the vanilla answer. Of, I draft for floor early and I draft for upside later because that's what everybody says. I want you guys to spice it up a little bit. Like, for an example, are you taking CEH with the fourth pick? Because that's basically a risk because he's never played an NFL game and you're taking no. your first round pick. I am. I took him five and six in both my drafts. Yeah, because you saw him work out once in an Instagram video and then your, your heart was <laughs> you, you're just amazed. <laughs> For those that doubt me, you can read my article on CEH. Anyway, um, Brad, don't give us the vanilla answer. What are your? How do you like to draft for the most part? I'm a chocolate man with chocolate answers. I uh, <laughs> listen. All my rankings are um, all my rankings are ceiling rankings, and I draft for ceiling. I, I, and if you're drafting for ceiling, you're kind of by default drafting for floor. If somebody has a high ceiling, they probably got a pretty decent floor. So I. Just go get your guy. John? I like floor. I like to have a base. I Like I said, I hate overthinking between Sterling Shepherds and, and other players trying to think if this is their week where they uh, they stay in the whole and play the whole game or, and they get a couple touchdowns because it's just it, – it's terrible for your mental health watching the games when you plug this guy in for a high upside and he gets 20 yards a la Will Fuller after week one. Eric? So this is a little bit different than what you didn't want to hear. First two rounds, I need a safe floor. I ain't taking the Kenyon Drakes. I ain't taking the Miles Sanders, the Dalvin Cooks, anyone in a holdout situation. Give me the Michael Thomases. Give me the Josh Jacobs. That will probably have a prominent role. After that, starting round seven, it's all upside. I am targeting handcuffs. I'm going for the Latavius Murrays. You gave the answer David literally didn't want. The Chase Edmonds. (laughs) You literally. literally. It's not early. That's the first two. But I'm letting you know later rounds, I am targeting handcuffs. My bench is going to be all upside running backs. Where's the mute button? (laughs) All right. You're on mute. Ian, go ahead. Like a round of horn. Always. I think – you know, it's just important to look at why guys ranked uh, where they are. If I, you know, I don't like when it's okay. That guy's gonna get hurt. Like if it, someone's assuming that. I mean, we've seen again and again. Really, I think the injury-prone label, maybe for the exception, it exists. But like, you know, how how long was Keenan Allen considered just untouchable because he always gets injured and he's played, you know, sixteen games in three straight seasons? So I'm gonna keep taking chances on guys like Wolf Fuller, guys that can be a freaking top 10 dude at their position if they can stay healthy, if the volume is there. So, I mean, I'm doing that throughout all parts of the draft. I mean, you know, taking James Conner early, your Fuller, your Brandon Cooks of the world, sign me up. And, you know, I'm all over Chris Herndon too. It's just important to kind of look at the situation. Like Stefan Diggs, another guy where, you know, he's going in the, in the wide receiver 20 range. Like that's what is someone that good doing, uh, doing that low when, you know, they're, uh, potential range of outcomes is so much higher. So, you know, I never wind up with, I don't think I've ever had like James White or Tariq Cohen, like on a fantasy team, they put up numbers. And I mean, there is, you know, you should, 
and I'm not saying that I have, you know, the hundred percent best strategy, but more times than not, I mean, I am going for just all upside all the time. You're Marlon Max, you're, you know, I mean, th those guys where even when disaster strikes, they're not going to be like a legit RB one. So you know, Eric was right about taking the Latavius Murray of the world uh, from that perspective, but you know, you can be looking to do that all parts of the draft, not just uh, the end. Dave, I want to give you an update. I, uh, my dynasty league i just officially completed um first round pick and will fuller for leonard fournette you traded a first round pick in will fuller no i got i got first round pick and will fuller i like it that person i, that I hope he goes to the tampa bay bucks and yeah and for, latavius, and for latavius murray i took him this past weekend kind of earlier than i wanted to just because i wanted to screw the owner of who had Camara because we don't want him to win our league again. So, um, you know, and it ended up paying off as of right now. So, you know, just, just target those handcuffs to see the stress and anger from the guy that owns the starter. It's so worth it. Yeah. I like that. Worry about yourself. <laughs> I am. Great discussion guys. Let's move to our next topic here. We're going to go to the question of the week. And, John, who are we sponsored by? We're sponsored by Manscaped. Again, it's crazy. I know. You know, nobody likes an unkempt lawn, so they created this lawnmower, and they did it again, and they did it again until they got to the Lawnmower 3.0. It's quiet. It's got LED lights. It charges. It's waterproof. It's the quiet stroke technology I'm telling you about. So trim that lawn. They also do nail kits and stuff like that. They have some great little extras. Trim that junk of yours trim those nails of yours. That's a slogan I'm adding for them and use our, uh, use our code triple play and manscape.com is 20% off. It's free shipping. Again, that's triple play at manscape.com. That's 20% off. I could be saving you thousands of dollars if you go ahead and spend that much money. Do it. And, and just to put it out there, I do use the ball deodorant. Um, gotta, gotta have the sack smelling fresh. Yeah, because you're not a bachelor anymore. Uh, yeah, and she actually complimented me. She said, did you use your ball deodorant? And I said, yeah, it smells good down there. I was a happy guy. The All right, well, our question of this week, good, re good ad read, John. Would you rather block a lineman or would you rather be blocked by a lineman? So it's a little thinking here. Would you rather block a lineman coming at you or would you rather be blocked by a lineman coming at them? All right, Ian, you're the guest. Which one would you rather do? Uh, I would rather I would rather be blocked. I mean, you know, just look. I'm gonna get smashed, but I used to play linebacker, so I can at least I can at least tell myself, like in my mind, that maybe I like won't get killed by this, you know, superior NFL athlete before it inevitably happens. But I don't know, man. Like trying, I, I always thought that you know. Offensive linemen have the toughest job. Like trying to block someone is just so much harder than trying to shed a block. I, at least it was, you know, back in uh, uh, b b back in high school. So I'm sure it doesn't really matter at this point. But <laughs> Eric, uh, I'm five five, one forty. I am not trying to stop anyone. I will be stopped all day. Hopefully, my speed can maybe get a, an edge move or something. No way, I'm trying to block anyone. Brad? Yeah, I was a basketball player, so I don't have the skill set. I'd rather uh, try to be blocked because if I have to do the blocking, I get killed, and then the quarterback gets killed too. So I'd rather, I, rather uh, I have think, that responsibility. 
I think you guys are looking at this the wrong way. Thank and, you, John. And, you know, it rather than you know two cars you know accelerating at each other, or maybe like a car and a moped. Um, the moped can be in reverse and try and take away some of that. If I'm backing up a little bit, trying to block, I think I can ease it up a little bit. And if we're both headed head on into each other, I think Johnny's right, actually. <laughs> there you go again with the, the sports science answer. So I'm with John because think about it. If you try to go and you try to go at an offensive lineman, they're just going to throw you to the ground. Your dignity is going to be shot. Because you just got, like, was it pancaked pretty much? You got pancaked, right? So if I'm blocking, I can just put my hands up like I'm trying to block. And then when they get past me, I'm like, oh, no, just go and just let them go. And it's like I attempted to block. <laughs> you put, you put, effort, but I attempted to block. You put the moped in reverse and get out of the way of the F-150 barreling right for you. <laughs> <laughs> See, John, we're, we're thinking. That's what I like. These questions always make you think. Okay, fine. We'll have Aaron Donald charging you. And then we'll try it. And then we'll have Ryan Ramchick. No, uh, no I said Ramchick. last week I'd rather have the Bosa brothers run after me than Aaron Donald. That's right. <laughs> Let's move to our last part of the week. Obviously, we end with our game of the week. And John's hosting this game. So, John, what are we playing? So we haven't done this one in a while, but we used to used to be an old favorite. It's going to be the uh, the Twitter uh, Twitter account. Uh, you go and guess the, how many Twitter followers these famous players or these not-so-famous players have. Give yourself a point, whoever's closest. Give yourself three if you get it spot on, which is kind of, would be kind of impressive. So maybe I'll just give you the whole game. <laughs> how many do we have? We have ten. Okay. Ready. And there is a curveball at the end. All right, we're ready. So don't, don't hit the exit button, everybody. Uh, first one is Ito Smith. Uh, this guy raised quite a stink when somebody drafted him at our draft Saturday. Eric was very unhappy. <laughs> How many Twitter followers does Ito Smith have? David, you go. I'm going to say he has 37,000. Ian? I'm going to guess 21.5 thousand. Eric? All right, so I was tempted to say zero because it'd be really funny. But I was actually going to say 21, but I'm going to go I'm gonna go 21. I'm sticking with my answer. Also, we're not doing prices right rules. It's just whoever's closest. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going go, 21,000. Uh, I'm going to go 10,000. Bradley, you're going to be the closest. He has 7,618, much it. to oh, Eric's wow. uh, happiness. Not, I'm surprised that many people are interested to hear what he does. In that <laughs> I know he calls himself the judge. His <laughs> you know, yeah, Twitter icon is a gavel. It's just like a, like a cartoon oh gavel. Boy, <laughs> I need a I need a backstory. Why is he the judge? I don't know. I he just calls himself, and I'm like, dude, that's not how nicknames work. You don't just give yourself a nickname. <laughs> oh, my God. It. Give me him over Ty Montgomery any day. <laughs> nah. Nah. There's no positive Edo Smith talk on this pie. <laughs> All right. What's the next one? So I wasn't feeling very creative, and it's Irv Smith. It's <laughs> <is> the next. <laughs> so is Ian starting this one? Yeah. Bama guy. I feel like he's going to be up there a little bit. I'm going to go 43,000. Why do you keep stealing like my ballpark of numbers? <laughs> I'm going forty-four five, forty-four thousand five hundred. Brad, 
Brad's looking it up. This is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Not looking it up. Uh, I'm going to go with 21,000. And Eric, finish us off. No, David finishes it off. Got to go with 69. Brad is is once again correct. He is 29.4. Oh, my God. Ian's going to think this is tainted. (laughs) (laughs) What were you doing with your phone? (laughs) The next one is another another one of Eric's fellas. We've got Chase Edmonds. And, Eric, you can start us off. Um, You better get this one. uh, I'm getting confused with his Instagram. Um, I want to (laughs) say 10,700. Thanks, Brad. Next, who was it? Who was the person? Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds. I'm gonna. That's go. spelled C H A S E when you're searching <laughs> in Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ten thousand for Chase Edmonds. I'll go sixteen six. I'm gonna go seventeen five. This was way lower than I thought because of the way Eric's been talking him up. He's at seven thousand six hundred eighty. That's, That's it. Win. Did Brad? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god he's about to sweep this one is my my personal favorite wide receiver all right so i knew he was at like seven or eight thousand when i looked like a couple months ago i was like oh training camp's closer he probably got more <laughs> followers nope <laughs> nope uh everybody loves zayman jones and they all follow him on twitter brad how many followers does zay jones have like eleven thousand. <laughs> So this one, I think it's actually more than you think, because I think he was one of the most outspoken people for the uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it like really like he, his followers like shot up a lot. I think I want to say it's at like seventy something, seventy five. I'm drinking David's Kool Aid. Let's go seventy one thousand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I remember when I did this game last time. I looked and he was at sixty seven thousand. Um, Maybe I'd be taking David's word that he got really popular. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seventy six thousand. Ooh, Eric, he's at seventy seven thousand, dude. You're, you're, you got, you're such a cheater. You can't <laughs> piggyback what I say. I knew that sixty seven before. This next guy is going to have a lot of time to tweet. Just got placed on the IR. That's maybe breaking news. It wasn't in your news and notes. Tyrell Williams. Mm. Uh, David, mm. how many followers does Tyrell Williams have expected to grow in the off uh, during his off time? <laughs> I'm thinking 31 six. Well, what he had like you no know, no Chargers fans follow him because they don't even have him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm go like 11 five. 34,200. I'm gonna go 9,000. He's got. 22, so I think David was the closest. I said 31. That's nine. So Who said 14? Ah, fuck. I said nine. Eric, what did you say? I said 34, too. Oh, I'm bored, baby. David. Let's go. You're saying there's a chance. This next right. one is a Jared Goff. You know, he's got a whole state of California, so that's, you know, that's millions of people following him. I'm going to go 22. Wow. No, no. No, Jared Goff has to have a lot. He's the golden boy. He has to have like, I'm going to say he, he's got like, I'm going to say he has 
178. I'm going to go 140. I was going to say he's got more followers than the millions of dollars from that contract for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm going 116. He's got 168,000. Oh my God. I got it right. I said 178. Yep. Yeah. Boom. Next, next up, we got Cam Akers. Uh, my boy. <laughs> well, how many do you think he's got, Brett? Because that's how you judge a person's value is by their Twitter so, followers. Yeah, I think he is coming out of Florida. One. Coming out of Florida State. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got it, Ian. I'm going uh, 24,500. Florida State factor, not good, not great in recent years. We'll see. I'm going 54,000. I'm going 20. I'm going 55. 55. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Eric. Well, you went in the wrong direction. He's got 41. So <laughs> Eric just sneaks in with 14 to uh, the 15-5 that Ian had. So that's another oh point God. for Eric. Eric so I think only, we're, we're through. The whole game. So wait, we're through through seven, right? We, yeah, we've got three for Brad, two for David, two for Eric. Ian, come on, man! You got to get on the board. I need one. This is bullshit. <laughs> Eric's just piggybacking whatever I say. What? <laughs> Eric's a cheater, man. We've got uh, next up. We've got everybody's favorite running back, according to the draft strategy. David Montgomery. Eric starts this one. I'm rolling out. Yeah, I'm going after Eric for sure. <laughs> <laughs> David Montgomery. Um, I want to say. Notice how long he takes when he doesn't have someone else to piggyback no, off of. No. <laughs> um, I'm going to go 72,000. I'm going to go. 29.5. Okay. I'm going to go 44. I'm going to go. 57. Well, this uh, helps Brad's lead. He's at 40.6,000, so 40,600. Oh, man. You guys got to get these to catch up with them. Uh, We've got the number one wide receiver in our hearts, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He's got to have a rankings. (laughs) He's got to have a big following. That's new. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like two million. Oh wow! I was gonna be higher than I thought. That, that's a good call, though. I'm gonna say he's at nine hundred seventy thousand. I think Ian's waiting for you, Eric. <laughs> yeah, Eric. Just oh. just because of how it's been, I'm gonna make you go before you. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's not a quarterback though, and he he doesn't post a lot of crazy stuff on social media. I'm gonna go three hundred ten thousand, but I think it's lower. I'm going to go 420,000. And Ian gets on the board. He has 531,400 followers. Thank God. <laughs> that means Brad officially wins. Let's do the last one just for fun. No, not if somebody gets it right. This, oh, this last right. one, I wanted to put a coach in there. And when I searched Andy Reid, I found an Andy Reid pro football player and for and football association of Ireland's U18 coach. So this one will just be a shot in the dark for you guys. But <laughs> <laughs> well, if we guess it right it's on spe- that, it's spelled the same. Yeah, it's spelled the same way. <laughs> Six hundred forty-five total. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go. 
I'll go 330. I'll go 10,700. Wow. I'm going to say it's a trick question, and the answer is zero. He doesn't have one Twitter. Well, the uh, head football coach, Andy Reid, doesn't, but the U18 Ireland coach has a, a vast following of 19.8 thousand followers over wow. across the pond oh in God. Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a Brad wins. Oh, man. Uh, David's reign of terror is finally over. That's my first win. That's my first time on the board. Brad is on the board for the games. That's what I like to see. Well, that's look at my face. Oh yeah, go ahead. You get you get your ten seconds. Go ahead. All right. I want to take my face time to talk about Austin Eckler. Um, He's just (laughs) he's just a great fantasy asset, and I think everybody in the world should take him as the number two running back, which he will finish as in PPR leagues. Um, You heard it here first. Go get Austin Eckler. There you go. go. Austin Eckler, Truth, or Brad Kilgore. With that being said, Ian, it was a blast having you be a part of the Triple Play Fantasy Show today. We really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, dudes. Uh, everything was good except that little kicker segment we had. But, uh, you know, <laughs> good uh, good talk, good shooting shit with you guys. Uh, check out PFF Fantasy Football Podcast if you uh, enjoyed everything except the kicker talk on here. And, yeah, thanks, dude. This was fun. Ian, man. You missed my plug for you. I was plug about to plug you in right after that. You were done. <laughs> oh, man. I seem like a bad host now. Ian, anyway. I hope you go two for four in your softball games. The two hits I hope are a double and a home run. But then I hope you strike out the other at bats for bashing kickers. I'll tell so you what, though. Good I, bad. I might strike out. I will never walk. Anyone that takes a walk in a softball game, like, what are you doing? Get up there and yeah. swing, man. <laughs> Love it. Well, again, make sure you check him out. Again, the PFF podcast he was talking about. Make sure you also check out his Twitter at I-A-R-T-I-T-Z. And so check out all his great work. And then your gift game is on point, man. Don't sleep on your gift game. You got to make sure they know. Make sure the listeners know. They want a good follow. Because actually, I got to follow you right now, which I'll do. But uh, with that being said, man, (laughs) thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Diz. I'll talk to you later.